Live from this is the Just End the Suffering Podcast. For the win. Got it! Oh! He broke his ankle! Follow me! Follow me to freedom! Here's your host, Mike Phillips. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the Just and the Suffering Podcast with New York Sports Talk Long Suffering Fan. Your host, Mike Phillips. I got another good show for this week. We talked some Giants last week. This week, we are shifting to the Jets. I'm going to be joined by a good friend of the podcast, John Butchko, the host of the Locked On Jets podcast. We're going to talk all about the Jets after their big win against the Bears as they get ready to play the Vikings on Sunday and are in a real playoff race. So it's a lot of fun to be a Jet fan right now. I'll catch up with John about all that's happening with this team coming up in just a bit. Speaking of the Vikings, we do have a Viking fan for Week 13 NFL picks, and he's joined by Joey Castellano. We talked to last year about his Vikings. This year they're doing much better, so we'll talk about that and do some picks coming up in a little bit. Also, lock tuned to the end of the show for the two-minute drill. We'll talk about the U.S.'s progress in the World Cup. They are through to the knockout round. They're going to play the Netherlands on Saturday, so we're going to recap these two games that we saw since the last time we did the podcast. We're going to talk about what they have to watch here for the Netherlands. That's coming up here in just a bit. If you like it here on the Justin Suffering Podcast, feel free to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, all the usual suspects. Simply search for Just and the Suffering Your Favorite Podcast platforms. You can find all episodes there. Feel free to your feedback and star as well. Help with the podcast even better going forward. So check out the YouTube page, Mike Phillips on YouTube. Video versions of the conversations with John Butchko and Joey Castellano if you have on the YouTube channel. Again, Mike Phillips on YouTube. Without any further ado, let's get to the opening tip here. We're going to recap the Jets win over the Bears and all the good things that came from that game. What it could mean going forward here right after this. Three, two, one. Y'all ready for this? The opening tip. And here we go. Opening tip time here, and a lot has changed the last time I talked to you guys on the podcast. And when we had spoke, the Jets not committed to a quarterback change. Robert Sala at that point had basically said, hey, we are open to the change. We're not committed to Zach Wilson. Things changed on Wednesday of last week. Robert Sala indicated Zach Wilson is getting benched for Mike White. That move was a necessary one. I wrote about it in the blog at the time. I'll check that out. Justin Suffering at WordPress.com. My instant reaction to the benching. One that Sala said was not the nail on the cob for Zach Wilson's Jets career. The idea behind the bench is basically this. Zach Wilson takes some time when he's not the starter to clean up some stuff, like both mechanical in terms of like the footwork and mental processing. Takes accountability for his actions where he, you know, took a step in the right direction. He poorly apologized to his teammates for the mess on Sunday. So that's a good sign. Eventually, he'll get the job back. That might not be so simple anymore after Mike White came out and dominated as the Jets win 31-10 on the Chicago Bears. Again, it was not very close out of the first quarter. And yes, I'll give you that the Bear defense is terrible. But Mike White was decisive with the football. He operated within the offense. He was going through his progressions. He was making the right read. He was putting the ball where he needed to be. And the Jets got their most productive offensive day of the year. And in a long time for quarterback. Mike White went 22-28, 315 yards, three touchdowns. Two of them to Garrett Wilson, one to Elijah Moore, who's finally back in the mix, which is good to see here. The three touchdowns that Mike White threw in this game. They were one less than Zach Wilson threw in seven games. And there were two less Joe Flacco threw in his three games. So 
big quarterback projection upgrade here. You can also see after the game here that this team loves Mike White. Guys were mobbing into the post-game interviews. A lot of people in the locker talking about how great Mike White is. He's well-respected in that locker room. And he's performing as well. And again, it's not a given thing because Mike White, we've seen a very small sample size of him. He could Wally pip Zach Wilson have his job, at least for the rest of the season here. And earlier this week, Robert Solid asked about it. He did not commit to Mike White being the star of the rest of the season, which is fine. He's keeping their options open because Mike White had a great game last year against the Bengals and then came out, got hurt, and then missed the game, came back against the Bills, and was awful through four picks. We need to see if Mike White can do this against better teams than the Chicago Bears. They got an opportunity here this week. They have a game against Minnesota on the road, a game against Buffalo on the road the week after that. Two division leaders are getting more rest than the Jets in these cases. He's coming off a mini buy, so they got 10 days of rest, opposed to seven for the Jets. Seeing how Mike White does in these games, because right now he committed to Minnesota, he probably committed to Buffalo too at that point. The natural spot you would put Zach Wilson back in, theoretically, is week 15 at home against the Detroit Lions. If that happens, it would be because Mike White did not play well. But if Mike White plays well in these games, and the Jets even win one, or both, or if they lose both and Mike White is playing well, it's going to be really hard to go back to Zach Wilson at that point. The only way to see Zach Wilson getting his job back is either Mike White gets injured or Mike White struggles against these two better teams. And they say, okay, we'll go with Zach, back to Zach, see if he's learned after three weeks on the bench and see what happens here. The key here, though, with this stretch here, if the Jets can find a way to split these games, your chances of the game to the playoffs are much more realistic because right now they have two things work against them in the complicated AFC wildcard. Number one, the Bengals beat them week three. That could be a problem here because the Bengals have a head-to-head tiebreaker. Number two, they got swept by the Patriots. So if New England passes them, that's another team that would leapfrog them on the head-to-head tiebreaker here. You get one of these two games, you're at eight, eight and four. And then you have coming up here, eight and five, excuse me. You have Jacksonville and Detroit at home back-to-back. You could win both of those games, you're 10. And then find a way to win one in Seattle or, one, or Miami, you're 11, you're good. You get to 10, you might be running on the tiebreaker. It's a little tricky here. It needs some help. Either way, the Jets are playing meaningful football in December. We talked in, we talked in August about how we want them to be on the in-the-hunt graphic at this point. Now they're on the graphic, they're actually in the dance right now if the season was to end today. We've still got six more weeks to go ahead of the end of the season here, see what the Jets can do. We're going to talk some more Jets with John Butchko of the Locked On Jets podcast right after this call from Sunday's win over the Bears, courtesy of Fox Sports' Joe Davis. A deep drop lets the routes develop. One of his first downfield shots has Garrett Wilson. Makes Vildor miss. Turns on the afterburners. He's gone. Touchdown Jets. New York takes the lead. All right, we are back here on the Justin the Suffering podcast, talking Jets football. Join me today, good friend of the podcast, the host of the Locked On Jets podcast, John Butchko is here. John, how are you? Mike, I'm doing great. And I think, you know, the way the Jets are playing, maybe we are entering the suffering. Yeah, I think we definitely are in the suffering. I mean, watching this Bears game was actually delightful on Sunday. Because, I mean, this is probably the most, like, dominant performance they've had in a single game in a long time. Absolutely. You know, it was, I think the Jets played well in all phases of the game. Now, I think they got off to a bit of a slow start. Defensively, the Bears went down the field twice on their first two tries. I think the running game started a little slowly. And that's why Mike White's performance was so important. It wasn't that the Jets' defense and run game were bad the entire game, but they got off to a slow start. And the Jets easily could have been behind 10 nothing in this game if Mike White did not come out and look great right off the bat. 
this is a Jets offense this year that I don't think I need to tell anybody listening. The passing game has been to be charitable, inconsistent. And the fact that they were able to get off to such a hot start is what stabilized the game and allowed them to kind of let their talent take over in the second half. Yeah, that's for sure. You brought up Mike White here. I was at the headline of the week because he's not the quarterback one for the Jets because they bench Zach Wilson here. And right now, I mean, you watch this game, Mike White, obviously goes 22 to 28, 315 yards, three passing touchdowns here. The offense is clicking. He's falling within it correctly, working the receivers open. What do you think about what we saw Mike White on Sunday? It was everything you needed. You know, the Jets don't need Patrick Mahomes-level playmaker. They don't need a guy who's constantly throwing into tight windows. They don't need a guy throwing receivers open. They don't need a guy who's going to you know, make circus plays, you know, evading the pass rush, you know, throwing the ball 50 yards across his body down the field. And the reason for that, the rest of the team is pretty solid. It's been a long time since we could say the Jets have a really solid roster all the way around. But you saw the, the run game get going with uh, Donovan Van Knight, the rookie on drafted free agent. Maybe they just found a little something in him. But this is a team that's based on defense right now. You know, they have that great defensive line anchored by Quinn Williams. You also have John Franklin Myers is having a great season, lots of talent there. At the corner position, you know, everybody talks about Sauce Gardner, and rightly so. Sauce Gardner's been phenomenal this year, despite giving up a you know a long reception with a penalty to Chase Claypool in that game. That was one hiccup in an otherwise stellar season, but kind of flying under the radar how good the corners are for the Jets, the other corners are for the Jets. You DJ Reed's having a tremendous season across from Sauce Gardner, looking like one of the best free agent signings of the year, not just for the Jets, but is, as I would say across the NFL. And then Michael Carter II in the slot is having an excellent season as well. So this is not a Jets offense that needs to light it, it's going to need to light it up on most weeks. If they get credible play at the quarterback position, and I think they got more than credible play on Sunday, but going forward, if they just, just get credible play out of the quarterback position with this defense, they're going to have a chance to win every game they're in. Yeah, that's for sure here. And obviously the situation with uh, Zach Wilson, who was benched for him after the whole fiasco in New England with the play and the press conference here. I know Robert Sala this week earlier decided to decline to get, say it's Mike, what Mike White has to do to win the job on a full-time basis, sort of week to week here, which I think makes sense considering that this is the way he has credibility in the room here. Do you see a scenario where Zach Wilson gets his job back short of Mike White suffering an injury? Oh, sure. I think there's a scenario, and I think that's Mike White falling back to earth these next couple of weeks. Now, the question, if that happens, is whether they go straight back to Zach Wilson or to Joe Flacco. But obviously, you're not going to bench Mike White if he continues to play anywhere close to the level he played against the Chicago Bears. I think Zach Wilson's fate is kind of out of his hands at this point. In fact, Bella on Monday even said that you know, they view Zach Wilson as the number one quarterback on this roster. Now, I don't think that's really a credible statement right now because he's healthy and he's not playing. So obviously, he's not the number one quarterback on the roster right now. But I think what it was, what Tyler was doing was kind of keeping his options open going forward because we don't really know what Mike White's going to do. Last year, he played that great game against Cincinnati and then followed it up a few weeks later with a really bad game against Buffalo. And the question is, is Mike White the kind of guy who can give you one great game a year and then falls back to earth? Or is this something more sustainable? I don't think the Jets know the answer to that. So I think they're keeping their options open because if Robert Tellis is Mike White's our guy for the rest of the season, then first of all, he's committing himself to Mike White when you know, he's not really sure what's going to happen, but also the storyline becomes the Jets are giving up on Zach Wilson. And what's the point of doing that right now when it is week to week and you know there's a scenario where you may eventually go back to Wilson. But of course, I think it really depends on how Mike White plays because in addition to how well he played, and this is just me speculating, this is no insider information, but yeah. this locker room thinks Mike White should be the quarterback. And that's no small thing. 
Yeah, it definitely is not a small thing here. I mean, you saw the body language from Zach Wilson on the sideline on Sunday, which is not great for sure. I mean, you have all the memes on Twitter comparing him to, like, Anakin Skywalker from Revenge of the Sith. That's not great. You also have the whole situation where, you know, like, there are moments where, like, three, where Mike White, Flacco, and Chris and Chris Trevor all, like, huddle up, like, looking at iPads, and he's off to the side. Which that doesn't sit well with his teammates either. You know, I saw that. I think it's one of those things really easy to read into. I mean, you don't know what's going on. Wise. I mean, I, I can't imagine there'll be too much fun sitting on the sideline. I don't know the answer. I mean, I think obviously there were some issues in the Jets locker room after that New England game. And I think that played a role in the Jets uh, making the quarterback change. I mean, you listen to the guys, even alluded to the idea that there was some unrest in the locker room. So, you know, I, mean, I can't totally dismiss it, but, you know, you get a snapshot of a guy on the sideline. I feel like that's one of those things that becomes an easy story. You know, you don't know what's going on. I, I think facial expressions are very easy to misread. So I, that's one thing I, I felt like, and I do feel like there was something to the idea that Zach Wilson, you know, maybe, maybe there was some issues in the locker room supporting him, but you know, I don't know that. I, I think it's where I think anybody would be guessing if they were trying to read too much into those pictures. Yeah, that's for sure here. I think other thing is interesting with this Jets team. You sort of look at beyond the quarterback situation. The fact that, as you mentioned before, such a well-rounded roster. I mean, especially the receiver room. I mean, Garrett Wilson's making plays every single week here. Corey Davis came back, made a big catch. Elijah Moore's back involved here. They have depth at running back. I mean, I've never, I can't remember the last time a Jet team had this many young playmakers on offense. I mean, defense is usually where it is, but the offense is incredibly stacked in terms of potential for the future. Yeah, and you know, I think about both sides of the ball. I think it was a really balanced team. You know, nobody really thought the Jets were going to be that good this year. I think people thought maybe they'll make some moderate progress. And Robert Sala even alluded to that when he spoke with the media earlier in the week that they weren't expecting these guys to be this good. You know, they, and, you know guys that are missing right now who was probably the best player on their offense through the first half of the season was Brees Hall. And he was the kind of guy, I think Brees Hall, you can make an argument that Brees Hall actually extended Zach Wilson's tenure at quarterback because there were some pretty shaky games Zach Wilson played that the Jets won. And one of the big reasons that the Jets won those games was how good Brees Hall was. I mean, he was playing, maybe maybe if not at a Jonathan Taylor level, at the next level. I mean, there are not many running backs in this league who can beat your entire offense. And Brees Hall was playing at that level. But you said that Garrett Wilson looking great. Uh, you know, it feels like every other week he's posting a 90-yard game. And, you know, Elijah Moore, I think, you know, now that Zach Wilson's down, he's probably going to get take too much blame. A few weeks back when you know, Elijah Moore was irritating everybody with his trade request, he probably got he probably was taking too much blame. But for whatever reason, producing those two seasons when Zach Wilson's done the quarterback, and when anybody else has done the quarterback, whether it's Joe Flacco, Mike White, even a game Josh Johnson played a lot last year against the Colts, he's producing around a, an eleven hundred yard pace. There are plenty of weapons. That's not even talking about you know the pieces they have on the offensive line. Elijah Barrett Tucker, who the Jets really thought was a guard when they drafted him last year, and out of necessity, they had to move him to tackle, and it feels like they kind of fell into something because now, now he's injured too, so they won't get him back till next year. But it looks like they found a tackle in Elijah Barrett Tucker, which is something I don't think they were expecting when they made that move. Yeah, that's definitely for sure, too, here. And I think the other thing that you're not used to as a Jet fan here is just the fact that they actually have pass rushers and multiple of them that can actually make an impact every game. I mean, we already know, we all know Carl Lawson coming back is going to be huge. You know, Quentin Williams had the breakout here, but you go down the line where it's John Franklin Myers, uh, uh, Bryce Huff, we saw get the big sack on Sunday here. Vinnie Curry, Jermaine Johnson, Michael Clemens. Like, do you remember the last time the Jets had a pass rush this good? Probably John Abraham and Sean Ellis. Um, and the thing that's so bizarre about it, Mike, is you know you look at the guys who were coaching the Jets defense. 
before Robert Tyler and Jeff Ulbricht. You had Greg Williams, you had Todd Bowles, and you had Rex Ryan. These are three guys who like to get after the quarterback. That's the technically no resources into adding pass rushers in those years. It, it's really tough to figure out. But I, that's one of the things I like about Joe Douglas is I think this was especially an issue under Mike McCagney. Positions are not equal in the NFL. And, you know, some teams emphasize one position more than another, but you've got to have a defensive line in this league. You don't have defensive lines if you get after the quarterback. You're probably not going to have that good of a defense. And for years, the Jets just completely ignored getting pass rushers. And then now, suddenly, they're, they're just adding guy on top of guy. And you know, part of it, they deserve credit for players. The guy who's been phenomenal this year is Bryce Huff, who was not drafted free agent signing in 2020. And he, you know, last year, the Jets, there was a talk, there was talking Jets did this study. They were trying to figure out why their pass rush was good in some games and bad in others. And they thought they found that the missing ingredient was Bryce Huff. And I remember when I heard that, I was like, oh, yeah, right. I mean, Bryce Huff's a you know, nice situational pass rusher, but come on. He's been excellent this year. Uh, and so you're going up and down the line. You have the guys you've invested a lot in. And then you have guys like Bryce Huff who you're developing. And it's produced one of the deepest defensive lines in the NFL. And that's the biggest reason. I, I'd argue that the driving force, you know, oh, with all due respect to the quarters, who have also been great. But I'd argue this defensive line is the driving force. Yeah, let's go to the corners for a minute here, too, because obviously last year was a disaster. The secondary had issues throughout the unit here. They right now somehow managed to get themselves, they think it might be the best cornerback duo in the league between Sauce Gardner, who's come in and did not have any sort of rookie learning curve. He's coming in immediately to become a shutdown guy. Just how you got DJ Reed, who everybody was and Twitter saying, oh, JC Jackson, JC Jackson. Jets signed DJ Reed to a deal that looks incredibly valuable right now, and he's become a dominant corner here. Like, how important are these two to what the Jets have been doing defensively? Oh, so important. And I'll give you a third guy, Michael Carter the second, who was a fifth round pick last year. Actually, the second player that just drafted with the name Michael Carter in the 2021 draft. He's been locked down in the slot as well. And that's what, you know, in the NFL, if you can be good at two spots on defense, you want to be good on defensive line and corner because it is a passing league in this day and age. You want any guys to get after the quarterback and guys who can lock down receivers. And, you know, one helps the other. If you have guys who can get to the quarterback, it, may, it, it makes the play for the coverage guys easier. Vice versa, same thing, the opposite is also true. If you have corners who can cover one-on-one, then that gives the defensive line extra time to get to the quarterback. So when you have both, you have a defense that can compete with anybody. You have a defense that can keep you. I'm not sure there are many teams at the top of the league who are completely defense. I think the team that's great on both sides of the ball. I don't know that you have any teams like the Jets that don't like the Jets with a defense. I think that this is the type of defense that can travel. I think this is the type of defense you can take on the road if you get into a playoff game. Yeah, that certainly helps here, too. Another thing I think that's helped this year a lot is that Greg Zerline stabilizes the kicking game. It's been a merry-go-round there since they let Nick Folk go a couple of years ago, and all of a sudden, he wins the job and can't beat out Eddie Pinheiro. He has the rough opener, but he's been pretty much money since then, and that's been a huge asset for them. Yeah, I've never understood how Joe Douglas handled the kicking situation since he took the job over. So, Jason Myers in 2018 went to a Pro Bowl, and Seattle gave him a huge contract, and they just have had terrible kickers since then, and the temptation, and a lot of people say this, well, the Jets let this Pro Bowl kicker go. How stupid are they? But here's the thing, Mike. You look across the NFL every single year, he's able to find kickers off, off, pretty much off the scrap heap. Uh, you know, there are more than 32 guys who are capable of kicking competently in the NFL at any given time. Any, any single year, you can find a team, you'll be able to find teams that sign this kicker in season. So it's just been unbelievable. The Jets went three years without being able to find a kicker. And 
You know, Joe Douglas has done a great job at SGM. I think one of the areas where he's not done such a great job prior to Greg Zorline is the kicker spot because it felt like he was always focused on trying to find the biggest leg possible and he was not bringing in guys who are experienced. He brought, finally brought in a guy with his NFL track record. Yes, Greg Zorline has a huge leg as well. He is a 57-yard field goal, but he can hit it through the uprights. And I think Joe Douglas yeah, I think Joe Douglas got a little cute with the kicker position his first three years, and he finally figured, you know what, I can get a guy with a big leg who also has a proven success in the NFL, a guy who can actually, you know, not only drill a 57-yarder, but actually make it go through the upright. So I think you're absolutely right. Greg Zerline, you don't have to – I know he missed a kick on Sunday, but he's been somebody who stabilized the kicking position that's been the worst in the NFL the last three years. Yeah, I think also a thing that helped also, I think, was – and. He really impressed me with how he handled the quarterback situation. Was Robert Sala growing as a coach from year one to year two? I feel like there were a lot of growing pains last year, but I think the thing that encouraged me is obviously a that this group is peaking as and probably a year ahead of schedule from what they thought was going to happen. And the fact that he correctly read the pulse of his locker room when the Zach Wilson situation went down. I think if he had said we're sticking with Wilson, he fractures that locker room in half, and things go very poorly. I think he's done a good job. He has a read of the room. He knows how to handle situations and. He's making a good call here. I do think that they have a coach finally as well. I agree with everything you said, and I'm going to throw in another point. The way he handled the Elijah Moore situation, the guy who pretty much was done with the team, the guy who pretty much wanted out, and he did a good job kind of bringing Elijah Moore back into the fold and Moore had a big game on Sunday. It took a couple of weeks, and there's something very subtle that he did. He framed it, and he kind of, I think he kind of did the same thing with Zach Wilson this past Sunday. He framed Moore's deactivation the week he demanded the trade as, a, well, he needs to get his head straight. He read between the lines. It seems like more of a disciplinary move. But he, he did it in a way he disciplined the player without creating controversy and then brought a player that they needed back into the fold and are getting production out of him. And that's not easy to do. So I agree with you completely. I, I'm, I think the way Robert Sala has handled some difficult situations, some situations that can turn a locker room apart, he has handled them very deftly. And I think, you know, that's part of the reason the Jets are in the position they're in right now. You can have Denzel Mims in the pile, too. I mean, he had the trade request dating back to last year, and he's able, and that has not spiraled out of control. Now Mims is actually active and playing a big role in this team. Let's also go ahead here, because they have a big game here on Sunday against the Minnesota Vikings. They head to Minnesota. They're 9-2 and two on the season. They have, you know, been a streaky team. They went a lot of one-possession games. They made Mac Jones look like Superman throw, passing the ball last week here. I think this game, I, I mean, the line opened the Jets as three-point underdogs here. It makes sense they're on the road, but... I think it's a game the Jets honestly could steal because they have the weapons to slow down Justin Jefferson in the secondary with Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed. And Mike White keeps the casting game functioning against a bad secondary. I think they have a chance to go in Minnesota and steal this game. I agree completely. I think that the Jets, you know, if Mike White continues to play at the level he was playing at, the Jets team really doesn't have a weakness because they, I'm projecting a little bit with uh, Zonovan Dam Knight, the, the rookie running back who they just called up last year, but he played really well against Chicago. So, you know, they're kind of piecing together the run game without Brees Hall, but I think they're still getting results. And like I said, this defense can travel. I mean, this is the type of defense that, you know, you can, you can compete with anybody. Uh, I think, you know, obviously Minnesota's offense is going to be a challenge. Justin, Justin Jefferson's maybe the best receiver in the NFL. But, yeah, I agree with you. I, you know, I, I respect Minnesota. I think it's not going to be an easy game for the Jets by any stretch of the imagination. But I don't know that Minnesota is quite as good as their record this year. And I understand it's going to be a difficult game going on the road, but I absolutely give the Jets a shot in this one. Yeah, I do. I think this game is very important, too, for their playoff hopes here because they are sitting at 7-4, and four, but two of the teams in the wild card, they do, they do lose tiebreakers. They lost the Bengals in week three. They got swept by the Patriots. That one's going to be a big problem if it comes down to it here. I honestly feel like if they could find a way to split these two games, the Minnesota-Buffalo road trip, if they can do that, 
I think their chances of get, making the playoffs skyrocket. What do you think are the odds that they do snap the playoff draft this year? I'll tell you, the way the team's playing, I, I like it a lot. I, I think, you know, there, there's no uh, there's no guarantees right now. And I think, you know, it's kind of amazing that the Jets have kind of already met their preseason expectations because they said their goal was to play meaningful games in December, which was be, be in the playoff race itself. And, you know, as we discussed earlier, they have some guys who are a little bit ahead of schedule. I think this defense, you know, this defense is going to let them, I, I think this defense is going to help them steal a game or two that you're not expecting them to win. So, I feel really good about this team right now. The question is Mike White, but you know, he doesn't need to be spectacular. He just needs to function. He needs to get the ball to the open receiver, go through his progressions in a timely manner. He doesn't need to be a difference maker. He just needs to, I hate to use the term game manager, but I'm going to use it. He needs to manage the game effectively. Yeah, because honestly, the way you look at the season here, if they, if they had Mike White playing like game managing football against the Patriots either time, they win one, at least one of those two games. And their season outlook is a lot clearer for the playoffs than it would be right now. I think Flacco struggled the first three weeks, too. I think, you know, they stole that game in Cleveland. And you look at the statistics, I mean, he's, you know, he's a guy who's scoring for 300 yards, like, almost every game. But if you actually separate the parts of the game that were competitive and the parts of the game where the Jets were down two scores in the second half and facing soft zones, um, it, you know, there's a big difference there. So I don't think Flacco was as impressive as his numbers. And, you know, Zach Wilson, he was also kind of shaky. I mean, you could argue that I'd say almost every loss the Jets have had this year, if they got league average quarterback play, they would have had a great shot at winning the game. And there were even some games the Jets won. I think you know, the win over Denver, the win over Green Bay. But Zach Wilson didn't play all that well. And they still were able to win the game. So it really does come down to that. I, I don't think I can name a this game I don't think I can name a game this year that the Jets lose if they just get average quarterback play. So I think that's really what it comes down to. It, it is where it comes down. It's certainly a fun ride down the stretch of the last six weeks for the Jets. Uh, John, thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. People want to check out some of your stuff. How can they uh, keep up with you on social media and the uh, Locked on Jets podcast? Well, Locked on Jets is free and available on all platforms, um, including YouTube. So if you'd like to see my smiling face every day, you can go there. But if not, you just want to listen, you can go to any other platform. And you can also see my writings at gangreennation.com, which is the SB Nation Jet site. All right, John, thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Mike. All right, show me the money. NFL picks for week 13 are here. We are now into the month of December. Joining me today, he made his debut on the podcast last year. His team is doing much better this year. Joey Castellano is back on the line. Joey, how are you? Hey, Mike. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Uh, Paul, I'm glad to have you on here. Obviously, you're a Viking fan. They had a interesting game against New England Thanksgiving. What's your big takeaway from the uh, Thanksgiving uh, comeback victory they had? The big takeaway is uh, Kirk Cousins in prime time getting a W. <laughs> that's, that's the big takeaway. Um, no, it's been a been a fun year to say the least. A little stressful, but they're actually pulling out the Ws this year. Versus last time we we're talking last year, it was all uh, the opposite. I guess you could say there was all late end of the game losses where now they're seeing the W's this year, which is kind of nice. So we'll, we'll see how the rest of the year goes, but uh, Kirk Cousins getting the primetime W though. That's, uh, that's what we like to see. Yeah. It's quite rare for Kirk. Cousins. Usually when he goes to the primetime, he turns to a pumpkin. Yeah. Uh, it's usually 1 PM. Kirk Cousins is like the hall of fame quarterback and anything 4 PM, 8 PM, Monday, Thursday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever day it is. It's uh, the opposite. Let's put it that way. Yeah, that's for sure. You mentioned here, I mean, 
they are the kings of the close games. I mean, they've won, I think, like, almost all their games except for, I think, one by, like, one possession here. And the crazy thing is, like, they're 9-2. and two. They're running away at the NFC North. So they might be able to clinch it in a week or two. And they're, they've only outscored their points by five points all season. So my question to you is, if somebody's watching this team every week or as close to as possible, like, how good are they? So uh, I was actually going to bring that up to you, that they're the only team in history that <laughs> – we're the lowest point differential in history as a nine and two team. So uh, it does show that they're staying in close games. I mean, my heart rate, my heart rate uh, goes up every Sunday, and I probably lose a few few years off my life. But uh, overall, I think uh, it's been it, it has been an up down in, in the sense of that, like in the game itself. But I mean, then we leave with a W, so it is nice to you know be on the top of the standings for once and not looking up at the Packers. Uh, it's actually enjoyable to see them kind of struggle here and there. Uh, Aaron Rodgers and the whole team just uh, just completely. I'm hoping that it's the end and we kind of take the we take the next seat or the Lions or whoever. But I mean, because the Lions look like they're up and coming too. But uh, uh, overall, the Vikings this year it's uh, it's been looking pretty good. I mean, Jeff, Justin Jefferson is amazing. Um, like that catch he made versus the Bills is probably the best catch I've, I've ever seen, not even being biased as a Vikings fan. I mean, it makes him look that much better. But um, that that was – I mean, Justin Jefferson has been MVP status. The defense has been holding its own. And like I said, we've been able to hold on in the fourth quarter and closing out these games. Um, the secondary is a little shaky. I think that's the weak point where um, getting a couple injuries here and there. The, our rookies are getting hurt. Um, but overall, the secondary, I'd say, is the weakness right now, which makes me a little nervous, especially for this week that we'll get into. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, the, you know, the stars are looking pretty good on offense, so um, hopefully we just keep putting up points. I mean, it'd be nice to not be in a shootout or in a, like a late-scenario game for once, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> Yeah, I think it might be in for one of those against the Jets on Sunday here. But I think it's an interesting matchup here because obviously this team, Jet team is good on the road. They have more, presumably, more stability quarterback Mike White. But I think the one thing that makes that challenge to the Vikings is that they actually have the two guys, they have a dynamic quarterback duo of DJ Reed and Sauce Carter who can slow, potentially slow down Justin Jefferson. It seems like the key is like whenever they have lost games here, have been really tight ones. Like Jefferson's been pretty much contained. Yeah. So, I mean, that's why I kind of feel like. This game, I mean, spread. Vegas thinks it's it's going to be close. I mean, it's only three. I think, um, I think so too. I think the Vikings will. I think the Vikings will be able to score on the that you know those second. I mean, Jets defense was great, and you know Sauce Gardner's the future probably. But um, I think the Vikings will be able to score a little bit. Like I said, though, I think that it's going to be the. I think the Jets will be scoring on them too. I think the secondary, like I said, Garrett Wilson's looking really good. Um, and I mean, I don't know what you, what do you think of Mike White? Let's, uh, kind of want to hear your opinion. I think for me, I think, I don't know if he's a long-term guy, but I think he gives them the best chance to win right now. And he's operating the offense way it's supposed to be operating, which I think is a big key for how, for them doing well. Yeah. I mean, you take that win, you kind of try to build off it. And I mean, this is definitely the test for him this week, you know, playing a, a nine and two team. It'll definitely, you know, show you, I guess the Jets where, where he is. Yeah, I think the key for the Vikings on this game is not going to be as much Jefferson. I think if they can get Dalvin Cook in open space, that's had issues tackling this year. I feel like he, Dalvin Cook has to have a big game for them to win this game against the Jets. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I definitely think they need to get Dalvin Cook involved. And usually when he gets involved is when the offense starts moving really well. Um, I do think that is the key to moving the ball, um, especially 
But the Jets, I mean, they have a tough defense. I'm a little nervous with um, the secondary, um, like you were talking about. I'm kind of nervous that it is 1 p.m., so maybe Cousins will be that Hall of Fame quarterback caliber. But it does worry me that, like, sometimes they go three now, they get stopped, and then they'll score the first drive of the game, and you won't see anything the rest of the game. And I hope it's not, for my sake, I hope it's not one of those types of games. Um, but I do ultimately think that both teams will be scoring in this game. Oh, yeah, bet the over. <laughs> yeah, kind of, that's what I'm hinting at now. Uh, um, yeah, I, I, I mean, that's, I guess if we're talking about gambling, then yeah, you, I'd probably look at the over in this one. Um, but, but yeah, I'll get into all that stuff when we go through the picks. Yeah, so you get the picks. Let's talk about where things stand here. Our, our softball teammate, Phil Freda, was here last week on the picks. He went one and two. His one win was with your Vikings. He had them laying the three against the Pats. Yeah, it was a good job by him. He had the Bills laying the nine on Thanksgiving. They lost. He had the Seahawks laying the four home against the Raiders. They lost in overtime. So one and two for Phil. So Phil's only win was uh, with the Vikings. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Speaking of, I also went one to last week. My, my only one was also the Vikings. We we agree on that one. We were minus. We, went, we loved against the Patriots. I had the Cowboys laying the eight and a half at the backdoor cover from the Giants. I lost that one. I had the Titans getting a point at home against the Bengals. So I was a good spot there. It was not. So one and two. So the only two wins last week were Minnesota Viking wins. I I uh, liked the Giants last week. I thought that was too many points, um, but it was it did come down to that pack or cover. Which, that's why it was the number. Um, but yeah, and I liked I was I was, I liked Titans a lot last week too. I thought they were definitely going to win, but the Bengals are uh, turning it around from that slow start at the beginning of the year. Yeah, so on the, it's not been great on this on this part of the podcast. I think the team challengers is sixteen, nineteen, and one. I'm fourteen and twenty two. So. Running out of time to get things turned around. You got a couple of weeks left. Maybe strength a couple three and O's. Yeah, let's see if we can both go three and out here. Make some it's exciting here. So as the guys, you can go first. Where are you going with pick number one? Pick number one, I'll stay on topics what we've been talking about. And I since I'm on a Jets podcast, I think I gotta <laughs> go with my Minnesota Vikings playing the three. Um, like we talked about last 10 minutes or so, um, I do think it's going to be a lot of scoring, but I think ultimately I think the Vikings will win either by, uh, you know, hopefully more than the three, four, five points. Hopefully somehow it gets to that. But um, I do think playing, I think I'm going to take them laying the three. Yeah, I, I, I have no argument against that. To me, it's like the number is perfect. I have no interest in touching that game. I'm let, fine letting you go there. I will not go on the journey with you. Yeah, I definitely think it's going to stay close, but I, I hope, hopefully they can stay over the three. All right, that's pick number one. You're going with pick two. All right, so pick number two, I'm going to take the Falcons, which it was, they were home dogs, and it switched today, so now they're minus one. But I'm going to take them at home versus Steelers. Um, the reason why I'm looking at this is Steelers coming off that, that big Monday night football win, dominating the Colts, who really aren't really looking too hot this year. Um, and also... I just like the Falcons in this spot. I think it's a good spot for them at home. With uh, the Steelers have a big game on deck after this, and whether they're in last place, the Ravens are in last place. They're going to be going up against Baltimore. I don't, I don't remember if it's in Baltimore or or Pittsburgh, but either way, it's a big game for them that they're probably marked on their calendars from the start of the year. I think this might be just one of those games they just don't really look into so much um, the non-conference opponent. So. Um, I, I do like the Falcons at home in the spot, and they lost the last few, so um, they need to turn it around here. 
I like this pick as well. I didn't take it, but I do like the logic, especially because you feel like a young team getting a big win like that, going on the road the following week, kind of short week, and Atlanta's a good home team. Atlanta can run the ball. I could, those are things that can play very well in a, in a game like this. Exactly, yeah. I, I mean, the, the Steelers defense is tough. That's the only thing that worries me a little bit, but like I said, it's, uh, the spot, I think, is Falcon. All right, let's pick two. Where are you going with your last pick of the week? My last pick of the week is I'm going with another, was supposed to be a short dog and turned into a line swap, and now the Raiders are minus one. And I'm going to go with the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, this one's just pretty straight up. Vegas is a home division rival. Um, Chargers are one of those teams that's pretty banged up right now. Um, they currently are in the playoff spot, but I think the Raiders, the record isn't really showing how good they've been playing. They kind of just fell on the short end of a lot of games this year. And I think they're probably a little bit better than what their record says. Um, and I think Chargers banged up. I'll, you know, I'll take the home dog. Or short, it was supposed to be a short dog, but now they're minus one. But I'll still take them. I'll take the Las Vegas Raiders as, as a minus one favorite now. I also love this pick because I do like the fact that, you know, I – Betting against the Chargers on the road is always a phenomenal take for me, and I do think that Josh Jacobs running the ball the way he is against LA's run defense I think is a great recipe for success. Yeah, I agree. Um, I definitely think that's a good factor into it. Josh Jacobs needs to be the bell cow in this one. Uh, I like Devontae Adams. Um, and like I said, the Chargers are pretty banged up right now, so I think the, the defense, uh, the Raiders' defense can hold up um, the Chargers' offense. since it's not, you know, 100%, but and hopefully we can just get the win at home and move on. All right, that's your picks. I'm on the board now. Pick number one. I don't know why I'm going in this game, but I have a strong feeling about it. I'm taking the Lions getting a point at home against the Jaguars here. I think it's similar lock you have with the Steelers against Atlanta. The Jaguars going on the road is favorites. Makes no sense to me. You have that big win against Baltimore. I can see this being, you know, a situation. Young team. They have a big rivalry against Tennessee the following week. They have to both match the Titans. They say, oh, we can win the division if we, you know, get hot and run this out here. Detroit's playing well. Detroit's had extra rest at Thanksgiving. I'm getting a point at home. I love it. Give me the Lions plus one for my first pick. I actually love that pick too, Mike. Um, that was actually one of the ones I was looking at. I feel like the Lions aren't really getting a lot of respect, and I think the Jaguars coming off that win last week, a lot of hype around them, and like I think that like you have all those points you said. I think the Lions aren't really getting a lot of respect, especially at home. Yeah, that's pick number one here. Pick number two. Rebound spot for the Seahawks here. Laying seven is a very depleted Rams team. They're down Matthew Stafford. They're down Cooper Cup. They're down Allen Robinson. Aaron Donald's out in this game. I know they're going to LA. They're laying seven here. And then the Seattle's to get the ship together. This is going to be the spot. I know it's a risk not having the hook or getting on six and a half, but I think it's a double win for Seattle to get back on track. I think the Seahawks laying seven pick two. This is another one I like, Mike. Um, I mean, <laughs> you have to, you can't. You can't like you can't even take points with the Rams right now. There's all their stars are out. I think Don, Donald's out. The Cup and Stafford are still out. Um, you, you, you can't even even think about looking at them. Yeah, that was an easy one for me. Pick number three. I feel like the it's time to go back to the Giants here. They're getting two and a half at home against the uh, Commanders. A game they really have to win because they have a lot of tough opponents coming up here. I think. Washington, I think, is getting a tad up rate because they're running. I mean, yes, they did beat the Eagles. The other five te- four teams they've beaten here on this run are combined 17, 39, and 1. So I don't know how good they are beating good teams. The Giants, extra rest. They're getting guys back. They should be getting some of the injured guys. They're getting the offensive line back. That will help. 
And I think home dog for the Giants I like this year. I think they do circle the wagons, get the win they need here, keep their season afloat here. I'm getting two and a half points to boost. So give me the Giants to wrap up the week. I do. I was looking the other way on this one. Um, I kind of like Commanders um, going into the bye week strong. And then they were saying, leave the bye week and play the Giants again in two weeks. So I was actually kind of looking at the Commanders to come into New York and finish it out strong right before the bye week, especially versus a division rival. Um, but hey, you brought up some good points too. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens here. So the picks of the week, Joey's taking his Vikings, laying three at home against the Jets. The Falcons laying one at home against Pittsburgh and the Raiders laying one at home against the Los Angeles Chargers. I'm taking the Lions home dog plus one against the Jaguars. Seattle laying seven on the road against the Rams and the New York football Giants getting two and a half at home against the uh, Washington Commanders. So those are your picks for week number 13 here on the podcast. Come next week. I'm going to be joined by a good friend of mine, Sandra, to talk about the Jaguars. So, obviously, I'm going to probably get some heat for taking the Lions this game. But, you know, we'll see how that goes. And, Joey, thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it, man. All right, Mike. Thanks for having me. Um, If you ever want me to come back on, I'm always here. Hey, the Vikings are in the playoffs. Might need to get you back and do some playoff picks. Yeah, we'll do. Hopefully, I uh, come back with a 3-0 start. The Two-Minute Drill. All right, two-minute drill time here, and it was not, you know, smooth sailing. It was not easy to watch, but the United States got the job done. They have gotten through the knockouts, the group stage of the World Cup. They are into the knockout rounds, and things got very interesting over the last uh, couple of games here. Started out on Black Friday against England here. This game was a phenomenal step up in effort from the United States after the debacle of the second half against Wales when they did not maintain their defensive intensity enough. They let Wales get in this. They committed the weight penalty that Gareth Bale scored the goal to bring the draw. They play phenomenal defensively against an England team to put up six goals in their first game. We, I know a lot of the soccer casuals were going, oh, you know, this is bad. They should have won the game. England was the fifth-ranked team in the FIFA ranking in the World Cup. And they put up six goals on Iran the first game of the tournament. The fact that you held them to zero and got a draw that's not a bad thing. That was a miracle that they got that well performance here. And it's also crazy that England's never beaten the U.S. in a competitive situation. I know they've won a bunch of friendlies over their history, but they've never beaten them at the World Cup. That is wild if you think about that. And the draw was a good thing for them. Got the important point here. There were some missed opportunities. Obviously, they had a couple of perfect like setup pieces that just couldn't be capitalized on. But that happens in high-level soccer. So they got a result. They got a point. Headed to the Iran game on Monday with a, on Tuesday, with a shot to win and get in the field of 16 for the knockout round. And credit to them. They got the goal they needed in the, in the first half, 38th minute. Christian Pulisic puts in the uh, goal from on the header from Sergino Dest. He gets his body out for that goal. He leaves the game injured. Tough break here. And... The U.S. was a bit rattled without their cat, without their leader here, without one of their most dynamic play anchors. But they held together. Iran had plenty of chances to get back in this game. They had some big opportunities, especially in the stoppage time in the second half, to equalize. They did not. They win, but they have the big injury questions lingering here with Pulisic, with Aronson, who left this game also with injuries here, getting knee in the back and was not the same guy since here. They now go to the knockout stages. They finished second in the group because England beat Wales to 
lock up the top seat here. England plays Senegal on Sunday. U.S. kicks off the round of 16 on Saturday morning, 9 a.m. Eastern time against the Netherlands, who got through their group perfectly clean. They had two wins and a draw. They beat Qatar. This is a very tough matchup for the U.S., especially if they don't have Pulisic, because the Netherlands here is a very dynamic offensive team. You look at what they did in the tournament. I mean, they scored a lot of goals in these games. They beat Qatar 2-0. They took care of business against Senegal. Ecuador had the draw in there. They drew against Ecuador. That was also a noteworthy result here. The Netherlands in this tournament scored five goals and gave up one. The U.S. has scored two goals total here. They had the, the one by way again the Wales game and had the one by Pulisic here. The odds are heavily in favor of the Netherlands here. The Netherlands is minus 115 to win the game. U.S. is plus 330 to win the game. About to plus open at plus 220-ish for a draw that leads to penalty kicks. Think about that for a minute here. The odds are highly stacked against them here. They're going to have to put a good effort here, especially if Pulisic cannot play. But the important thing here with this team is that there is a lot of potential with this group. There are a lot of exciting young players, whether it is you know, the captain, Tyler Adams, whether, whether it is the young midfield, whether it is goalie Matt Turner, who has come from nowhere become the national team goalie here. You get a lot of natural, valuable experience this group. They're going to play in a World Cup knockout stage. They're going to be hosting the tournament in a couple of years. That's going to be a lot of valuable ground for them to learn here. I think it's very important here to see what happens. I'm excited to see this team play on Saturday. If they can find a way to pull to the Netherlands game, that'll be a lot of fun to see them in the round of six, in the round of eight, in the quarterfinals. That'll be a lot of fun for sure. With that I want to end the show for the week. I want to thank my guest John Butchko for coming on the line, talking all about the Jets as they get ready for this big game against the Minnesota Vikings. Also, Joey Castellano, who did the week 13 NFL picks. If you want more good stuff like this podcast, including my look at the instant reaction to the Zach Wilson benching, check out the blog over the Jets and the Suffering.wordpress.com. Check out the Sky Guys podcast if you like our Star Wars coverage and or season is over. We have wrapped up that finale coverage that's up right now. We have a season recap show that's going to be in the feed here uh, over the weekend. It'll be in the Sky Guys earlier. Plus, we got some bonus coverage over there based on other stuff. And that takes us to until we get Mandalorian back. So if you want to hear all the Star Wars stuff, subscribe to the Sky Guys podcast. Same podcast platform at the top of the show. You can also follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. And that's going to do it for this week on the podcast. Coming up next week, we're going to talk some more World Cup. We'll get, we'll get some, keep an eye on how the bracket is going, some winter, winter meetings, some picks, and more. So we have a better week than Cardinals fans. This has been the Just End the Suffering Podcast. I'm out.